Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2019. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. And Dom. I was trying to think of an opening crawl uh, (laughs) narration to put there, but I guess it would have to be in text anyway. It would. Um, It would have to be something about how, like... We've uh, we've all come from different corners of the galaxy to review fan fiction. It's got to be a more imminent threat, though. It's oh, always yeah. it's always, always some threat, imminent yeah. threat. You're right. There was no mention of a trade federation anywhere in that, so it has to be more. <laughs> there's there's yeah. usually an imminent uh-huh. threat. <laughs> Sometimes there's trade disputes. <laughs> oh well. Uh, yeah, we got a new Star Wars movie coming out soon. Yeah, ish. The, the final. One question mark? Oh yeah, definitely the last Star Wars movie they're ever going to make. I'm oh, sure. Sure, they're just going to stop. You know, <laughs> that's what Disney's good about is like finding a franchise and like finding a good ending point to the story and just you know letting it go and walking away. Mm. Mm-hmm. That having been said, uh, Toy Story three, I was like, that's a good ending point for the franchise. Yes. Toy Story four, I was also like, that's, that's a good ending point for the franchise. <laughs> so, <laughs> who knows? Maybe if they make a five, I'll have the same thought at the end once uh, again. Maybe the next movie will just be like. Mandalorian, the series, the movie, or something. The next Toy Story movie? <sighs> the, yeah. the next Star Wars movie. Because they could bring in Star Wars toys. The, they did. Wait, did they? The, the, have you watched the fourth one? Uh, what's the Star Wars toy in the fourth movie? They, they have Star Wars toys in the background in the fourth oh, in the Okay, in the background. But uh, Not, not minor, minor in the background, pretty featured in the background. Mm, okay. When they go, in, go into the pinball machine, they have like Obi-Wan and like Darth Vader fighting. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. We've got a bunch of old Polly Pockets between mm. my wife and I. Oh. My kids were thrilled when, like, a you know Polly Pocket XP showed up as a character in that movie. <laughs> they knew exactly what was going on there. That's, wow. I haven't thought about Polly Pocket in a long time. Um, I think I had the Polly Pocket. I had, like, the necklace one, a couple of those, and then I had an entire skating rink with, like, ramps nice. and stuff. It was like a Hot Wheels stadium for Polly Pockets that had roller skates on. They were pretty sick. Cool. I had a bunch of those like original, you know, vaguely geometric or shell-shaped pastel normal-sized ones mm-hmm. and maybe like some kind of ring or something that was too unwieldy to ever mm-hmm. wear. It was like a throne with like a queen in it. Yeah. And then I had crippling shame for playing with girls' toys when I was like <laughs> in the middle of elementary school and I tried to throw them all in the trash. Oh, I know. Poor Polly. It, it all hit me at some point. Oh, no. Yeah. At least one survived. Yes. Mm. I still have that one. And uh, honestly, my wife has a better Polly Pocket collection than I ever did, <laughs> and we still have those. So yeah. I, I can a, rest easily at night. A similar experience with Barbie dolls where, like, when I turned about 12, people started shaming me for, like, mm. any girly toys. So I, like rip the heads off a bunch of my Barbie dolls and, like, cut off all their hair. And I think I blew some of them up with explosives um, with my aunt, who was irresponsible. Bring us us right back around to Toy Story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel really bad now because, you know... It turns out they're alive when you're not looking? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, our Star Wars fanfic for today (laughs) comes from a long time ago. This galaxy, though. And not that long ago. It's 1990. Smooth. Yeah. <laughs> this story is called Gathering Darkness, written by Carolyn Golledge, G-O-L-L-E-D-G-E, Golledge. And um, 
It was originally published in a fanzine, which I certainly do not have, Bright Center of the Universe, number one, mm -hmm. 1990. But it's one of many fanfics that was posted on the Corellian Embassy, that Star Wars site that posted a lot of old fanfiction from zines, especially with Han Solo in them. And so uh, through the magic of the Internet Archive, is that what it's called? The Wayback Machine? Yeah. Through the magic of the Wayback Machine, it's still around. <laughs> we are providing a link there at bit.ly slash rfrdarkness. I chose this one both because it won a star award for Best Long Story, mm -hmm. 1990. Hmm. And as you know, I only pick like the best, most vetted fan fiction or anything that strikes my fancy. Yep. Yeah. We do know that. This is the former. <laughs> we have no evidence to the contrary. Nope. <laughs> I definitely haven't just chosen a fanfic because I'm like, this looks good, right? It has some reviews. <laughs> and then you guys shouted me because there's not enough Digimon in it. <laughs> no, I don't recall that. No, no. Also, this fanfic did not have enough Digimon in it. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I hate to like keep banging the same drum, but <laughs> I mean, come on, Amato. We'll try to do better next week with our Utena fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> try to get more Digimon in there. Oh, no, next week won't be Utena. It probably still won't have Digimon, though. <laughs> would, would it be bold to say that almost any fanfiction would benefit from the addition of more Digimon? Not if a fanfic already had too many Digimon. Okay. Yeah. But I don't think we'll ever encounter that, I mean, given it's a, it's our a track hypothetical, record. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I suddenly want to seek out a reboot Digimon crossover, which there have mm. got to be multiple of, right? I was just thinking about reboot as, like, because... There was a reference to reboot in something we recently read. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I would be really awesome to do that. Because, like, I agree, there kind of should be. But at the same time, I agree that there shouldn't be because the universes are completely different. But reboot takes place in the digital world, right? Yeah, but it's a different <laughs> digital world. But it could, I guess it could, didn't, doesn't have to be. But if they're connected with the internet, then, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, reboot is like on the user's PC. Yeah. So Digimon is more about the internet. So I can see how there'd be a crossover where like maybe they're different universes, but they're connected Th that'd be the instance of that website saved on the personal pc which the yeah characters were from. i mean totally because yeah. like the digital <laughs> world bleeds over into the real world all the time so like maybe there's another universe of like the user's content on their pc and of course they'd be at odds because like they'd seem like a virus <laughs> oh my gosh we need someone to step up and write this digimon tron reboot wreck it ralph 2 crossover no <laughs> wait hold up <laughs> It's all coming together. Uh, well, it's all coming together here. <laughs> this fanfic has nothing to do with digital anything, I'm afraid. Uh, and the other thing, the reason I chose it besides it winning an award, because a lot of things have won star awards, even things that I have access to, was the summary. It says, this is of course from the Corellian Embassy, mm -hmm. badly wounded in an attack by, by an Imperial refugee army, Solo is held hostage. Will Leia agree to their demands, even if it means risking the Alliance personnel and her command? So going into it, I was thinking, there's going to be a lot of Leia. I wanted a lot of, like, Leia yeah. commanding things action. Right. Which I'm afraid we don't get enough of. Not enough Digimon or enough Leia commanding. <laughs> I will say that in this fanfic, all Leia... She has two roles. She commands and she cares about Han. And in each instance, she... She's very effective as a character. It's just, yeah, we don't have enough of her. It's good Leia. It's just, it, yeah. I, I was expecting her to be the central character, and she's not. No, it's very much Han. Mm -hmm. 
I guess I should have expected that from getting it off of a Han Solo fanfiction archive. But mm. really, Nemesis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would like to address right off the bat Han Solo fandom. Like, I was actually a really big Han Solo fan. Like to the point where I had a cardboard cutout of him in my bedroom. As like. Wait, oh no, sorry, Han Solo. I was thinking Harrison Ford for some reason. Oh no, just Han Solo. <laughs> just Han Solo, yeah. not Indiana Jones. Or I anything. actually I got it discounted because it was the store display, and when I got it, it was him and Boba Fett, mm-hmm. and I just cut off the Boba Fett part and threw it away. <laughs> wow, harsh. <laughs> Come on, who likes Boba Fett anyway? Uh, his, I think a lot of people. He doesn't do anything except um, get thrown in the Sarlacc pit, like. That's yeah. why he's cool. The less you do as a character, the cooler you are. No, don't you know you bust out of the Starlight Pit and becomes an awesome Mandalorian? <laughs> okay. What I was going to say is the only thing is that in the extended universe, he does survive the Starlight Pit, <laughs> which does make him pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But, like, in the movies themselves, he's just, like, a bounty hunter who's kind of shitty and then dies, yes, basically. But, but so. in, um, what was it, Knights of the Old Republic, the, the whole Mandalorian culture and stuff was pretty fun (laughs) yeah totally but like if you're just going from the films there's not a lot to like and also just like boba fett himself is not very likable he's kind of just a cruddy mercenary guy anyway point being han solo (laughs) (laughs) point being disney plus has that new series out now yeah uh i i do want to watch that so i might i want to let it settle and see how the people react about it first (laughs) i have thoughts i'm not that interested in boba fett I don't know if it's about Boba Fett or not, but I assume that it is. It, it is, right? That, that's the that's the Mandalorian. Could be a different Mandalorian. <laughs> I, I guess it could be. I'm just waiting to see if there's wailing and gnashing of teeth or something. Yeah. Hmm. Speaking of wailing, let's start this fanfic. Yeah. Because <laughs> oh. it starts with torture, but luckily it's just Leia having a dream about Han being tortured. Okay. Mm. I, that's no all. Yeah. And I I like just not making it super, super prominent, but, like, all the Skywalkers are very strong in the Force. Mm-hmm. Like, Leia should be yeah. having little Force interactions, even though she's not, like, a trained Jedi for some reason. Uh, wh- why not? She's right there. Um, she does a little bit of Jedi training in the books. Yeah, I guess she's but just, just not, not a that lot. into it. I, yeah, she's not as into it, basically. I just get the impression that Leia's too busy. Yeah, that yeah. kind of makes sense. <laughs> well, she's got a lot on her plate. But, yeah. yeah, she does have Force sensitivity. And, yeah, as I was... Saying before, like, there's this Han Solo fandom, too, and this really fits in it because Solo and Leia have, like, that kind of relationship in this that you kind of, the movies imply, I suppose. Hmm. Uh, You mean, like, a romantic relationship that the movies imply? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or state explicitly? Let me backtrack on that one. Okay. Uh... No, let me just give up that thought. It's too much. I'm so (laughs) tired. Um, Point being that it starts out with Leia's having a dream that's basically just horrifying about Han. Yeah, apparently there's this guy after them, and it must have been from other fanfics by this author. This dude's named Hagrin, I guess. Hagrin the Horrible. Mm -hmm. It's not actually his name. Uh, He seems to be some sort of... Groundskeeper? (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. He's like a he big that too, huh? Sith. <laughs> yeah. He's a Sith-like dude. Uh, he's supposed to be big. He's malevolent. You know, he's Sithy, and he hates Han for some reason. But even they don't seem completely clear about why in this fanfic. I'm sure it's an ongoing plot thread. Sithy seems like an adjective that 
be similar to like pithy. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably also that. <laughs> uh, not so much. I think he kind of uh, rambles a bit. I've got to say, I started off having no opinion about Hagrid, but jumping way forward, he shows up in the fanfic towards the end, and I kind of like how he's portrayed as sort of a Sith who's kind of having to teach himself. Yeah. And we'll yeah. kind of come back to that when he actually shows up. Because, like, he doesn't have a master, as far as I can tell. No. Actually, I think Luke makes a point of that later. But I will say that the character showing up later, I was, like, more convinced in him. This Him showing up without any, like, understanding of who he was, except a guy they thought that they'd killed. Mm-hmm. In the stream? Yeah. Showing up in this dream as this threat. Leia's horror might kind of, at the in this dream might kind of explain why he's a threat, but, like, having no background on him as a person, as a character at all, except that he's supposed to be dead, I was like, and that he's supposed to be evil. I was kind of like, I, I don't know why he matters so much. Like, do we know if this is a character from a different fanfic? Got to have been, right? I mean, yeah. there's, there's no indication in, there's no introduction saying that, there's nothing to say that specifically on the website, but it's got to have been. Did this it's, author have multiple in a series? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I didn't really check the website, but they're not organized by author, are they? Uh, yeah. The author wrote a bunch of stories, and there's a timeline reference for when they take place. Oh, cool. So in terms of timeline, um, this is the first one post-Return of the Jedi, with, you know, Han and Leia being married. But that means they would have had to introduce this guy earlier, which I guess they must have done. Yeah, it all seems to be one big continuity for okay. this author. Um, now, okay. as mentioned, they're married. They've been married six months. It's post-Return of the Jedi. And they're, you know, up on a command ship. We'll get to why in a moment. Mostly Leia's just upset because she has this vivid dream that is definitely not a Force premonition. And uh, <laughs> Han has to comfort her. Yeah, she's been having it over and over again. And he, like, makes her promise, like, no more nightmares. I will say that some of the interaction between them was kind of sweet and, like, kind of how you would expect it to be, like, the banter. Yeah. But there's a couple points where, like, they're talking about sex and, like, like, oh, this is a good specific one. Um, Serves you right, Leia giggled. I never needed sex until I met you. And you're just like, first of all, I've never can't imagine her giggling. Like, that just doesn't seem like something that you can imagine her doing. I can imagine something akin to a giggle, but it would be more like a... Yeah. It'd be more of a smile and less of a sound. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it just kind of, like, that light in particular rubbed me the wrong way, because I was like, come on. It's not like she wasn't, like, having sex before she ever, like, you know, met him. There is a little bit of, like, an innocence thing with her, and I was like, that doesn't sound like Leia to me. Mm. But their banter was pretty good. I mean, it was just, like, newlywed feelings, right? (laughs) I think it was supposed to be. It just, to me, Leia's character would have been a little more dominant, I guess. Like, less, like, uh... Yeah, that line Whatever especially. Whatever the opposite of that is. Did we ever see Leia in any sort of downtime in the movies? Jeez. Oh, Maybe not. She's always pretty much... Yeah. The Ewoks. She partied that, with That's the... not downtime, though. That's yeah. being trapped that's pretty, on the surface of yeah. the planet. But she she partied. She I, had her hair down. I kind of excuse this because 
we, because we've never seen downtime Leia, so this might be just Leia without imminent death over their heads. It's actually a good point, because <laughs> I read true. a lot of the Extended Universe books, and I still can't remember what downtime Leia's <laughs> no. personality is. It's all business. And yeah, from here on out, it's going to be all business, too. She's yeah. just very busy. I mean, it still seemed weird, but that, that's just what I chalked it up to. Yeah, yeah, that was me, too, as I was like kind of like, eh, I guess, but also, like, I'm not sure. <laughs> Now, what they're doing is they're, like, in orbit there, and the next scene is, like, them doing a ground assault. They're flushing out a, you know, Imperial Remnant holdout, which is, like, the evergreen plot thread or plot point that you can use in, like, Star Wars stories forever uh, in the expanded universe and fan fiction or whatever. It's just like, yeah, like, there's still some Imperials over there. We're going to have to go deal with that. And the new movies. And the new movies. Well, yeah, I mean, they turn it around. I'm... I mean, why, though? Why can't they just move on to a different topic in the same universe? Because I'm not sure there are other topics in the <laughs> Star Wars universe. Like, I'm not sure the universe is set up to have other topics. Wait. I mean, you have to have stars, and you have to have wars. Right. But if you look in history, wars are a complicated thing that don't always evolve the same two sides over and over again. It's not quite the It's basically the same two sides, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they don't, you know, they, they do have some complications of, like, the how the Imperials evolve from, like, you know, you had the Senate, and then you had the Imperials, and then you had the Rebellion. Like, that's, that's like, kind of a basic political evolution. Like, sure. that, that makes sense to me. Yeah. But I guess it's not really about the title, right? It's about <laughs> the scoundrel factor. You need the characters to be doing shenanigans and, like, crazy plans against a more powerful force that's in control. Mm -hmm. Because that's the stories that Star Wars tells. And so someone needs to be a more powerful force for them to fight against. And, you know, that's why some of the prequels are not satisfying. Because it's like, well, you are the army or something. Like, I don't... That's that's not as cool as, like, you know, needing to infiltrate Cloud City or, like you know, being in a cantina or whatever. Yeah. Well, there was, like, an attempt to explain things, for sure. But, yeah, it was not satisfying. Because you kind of have this, like... You have space fascists in the original movies. And, like, who doesn't love a good fight against fascism, right? I don't not love a good fight against fascism. (laughs) Yeah. Like, but then complicating that political plot was not a bad idea. Just, yeah, I don't think it had the same appeal. Hmm. So anyway, the point is, they're doing a ground assault on this uh, headquarters. They're, you know, trying to crack some kind of nut. It's sort of a built-into-a-mountain sort of base, it appears. Yeah, they have um, Imperial holdouts that have honeycombed to the mountainous region. And two things. First, Han's a general. Mm-hmm. Second, he's a general who's leading from the front lines. Basically, mm-hmm. right? So it's like a Star Trek captain sort of thing. He's a like Warhammer 40k general. Okay. Like, <laughs> and I don't not believe that. I'm a little bit surprised that, I don't know, he gets... I guess I shouldn't be surprised no. he gets away with it. No, no, you shouldn't because it's actually established in the source that he's given a rank but still just flies around in the Falcon, mm-hmm. like, doing basically whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> so in this, he's taking on actually more responsibility than when he originally gained a rank in the Rebellion. So I, right. I'm seriously no, not surprised. Yeah, that makes sense. The only way you could give him a rank is if he basically could still do whatever he wanted. And mm-hmm. what he would want to do is lead from the front. Yeah, and I'm, so that's what he does. I'm not surprised. I, I am disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> this 
situation could have been avoided. Yes. So, yeah. and the other thing is, like, they were not expecting a whole lot of trouble with this, but there's this enormous storm that knocks out a whole lot of, like, um, technology and communications and sort of, like, pins down the assaulting force that Solo's with. But the enemy who are, like, comfy in their mountain base are fine, and they just get to, like, kind of walk out as soon as things die down a little bit and, you know, take captives or more like murder captives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it explained why Chewie's not with him during this? Um, Chewie's smarter than him? Does Chewie have a rank? I assume so. Major General. I don't I don't actually know. <laughs> but like why would That's he not? That's a good question. He, he, like, can't, he can't not have a position in the Republic Army if Han does, right? And he seems more, like, devoted to the Rebellion than Han does, actually. There like, could be some uh, specious stuff going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on, New Republic. Do better. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we get a really tense scene where uh, the Imperial Remnants are coming out and basically murdering captives. Uh, murdering, not captives, but uh, they're not even taken captive. Just, like, murdering uh, New Republic soldiers. I keep wanting to say rebel soldiers, but technically... They're not really They're rebels. Rebel soldiers. Rebel soldiers. Yeah. And, you know, Han's trying to, like, drag himself into bushes. He's wounded. He was, like, knocked into something with a whole lot of force. And it's the start of the fanfic doing a fairly good job of, like, showing you how much... You know, when human bodies are hurt, mm-hmm. they don't work very well, and they hurt a lot. Yes. Yeah. Like, and that's something that fiction's not always great at, like, convincing you of. <laughs> it's more like, ah, you know, oh, I was knocked into this thing, and, like... I got back up and it hurt, but I got through with willpower. And that's happening, except with more bleeding and sprains and tourniquets and, like, trails of blood. And tourniquets falling off. Tourniquets falling off. It's all very, like, physical. Yeah, to to me, physical is a good way to describe it. Kind of the through line of this is physical pain. Yeah. And, like, that's the main, to me, the main conflict is Solo fighting the various things that happen to his body, which is a very... Uh, real thing, yeah. but also kind of a very strange main plot point. You know, it puts you very in his head and also very in his body. So there's this paragraph early on. Mm-hmm. All Solo's efforts at self-defense were lost to the bolt of excruciating pain from his wounded leg. Cruel hands clutched at his ankles and tugged hard. He very nearly blacked out. Whatever strength he had mustered flowed from him with renewed bleeding. The tourniquet had come loose. Desperately, he hung onto his holster belt, keeping his hand close to the weapon. Within seconds, he was clear of the thicket, lying flat on his back, surrounded by a forest of gleaming white armored legs, reaching up to heads that were impossibly far off. So that's just sort of an example of how how hurt he was and how helpless it felt, even though you were trying as hard as possible. Yeah, and it really puts you in the experience that he's having, too. Han avoids death because the Imperials know that General Han is down there, and they know they've got, you know, a fleet that they can't actually outgun up in the orbit around the planet, and they're specifically looking for him. And a famous general is a good captive. Yes, especially when the famous general is the spouse of the person in charge of the fleet. yeah, Yeah, it also is, like, sort of coincidental because, like, he almost gets murdered because he's so bloody and, like, some dumb Imperial soldiers don't recognize him. Well, it's not just that he's bloody. The, the Imperial soldier is, like, he's not wearing a uniform. Like, clearly he's not Oh, a yeah, yeah. That's and right. That, is... that person's superior officer has to be, like, 
which is, you know, it's pretty fair. It seems weird as people who've been watching Hansel the whole time, but if you never met the person, and it's like, oh, it's a general. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, they look like a general, right? Right. Yeah. They look different from. They look nicer than presumably why, normal why foot would soldiers. Why would they have, have a guy dressed like a like a smuggler as a general and not in a general's uniform? That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, I actually kind of like that they address that. Yeah. <laughs> but they still manage. Like, somebody comes in and recognizes him because, yeah, this isn't a story about killing Han Solo. Yeah. Or is it? <laughs> is it? I mean, well, I don't know. <laughs> the passion of the solo. Mm-hmm. Now, we do get a couple of, like, relevant Imperials once Han is dragged back into the base. We've got this medical officer named Tarrant, mm-hmm. and he's sort of a um, sarcastic, capable doctor type, like, mm-hmm. where the sarcasm is kind of part of his bedside manner. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I he seems like a pretty good doctor, I guess. He's kind of in the house direction, but... Still. Yeah, you, you kind of like him right away because he's very rude to the Imperial officers that have been kind of like, I don't know, hateable. Yes, most notably um, Commander Oversk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> O-V-E-R-S-K. I got through reading this fanfic without even bothering trying to say that out loud in my head. So this is like the first time I'm really trying to parse it. Oversk. Mm-hmm. Right. Or okay. (laughs) (laughs) Commander, okay. (laughs) Um, And so Tarrant gets to kind of uh, care for Solo a little bit, mostly on the basis that, like, they actually want to keep him alive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Oversk is like, yeah, give him what he needs, give him the blood that he needs to actually survive all this. Also, they mentioned that, how are we saying Tarrant? Tarrant? Mm -hmm. Is um, Alderani. Yes, yes, that doesn't seem to be public knowledge in the Imperial base, as far as I can tell. I, no one references it other than him. It should have been in the records, right? <laughs> it should have been, one would think. Right? But no one seems to be like, oh, we can't trust you because you have a grudge against the Empire or anything like that. Right. Uh, so, I don't know. It actually is noted that, like, he's super popular among the rank and file. Because well, he keeps people alive. Because he keeps people alive very well. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And also treats the brass like shit. I think there's a good, um, if I can read just, like, a couple lines, I think they sum up Terrence's character very well. Go for it. Um, looks like a very, referring to Han, looks like a very dangerous prisoner you have there, Captain which is sarcasm because he's, like, passing out from blood loss. Mm-hmm. Medical officer Tarrant commented sarcastically as he observed the procession entering the cavern. I'm so glad you have him securely tied. I feel so much safer. Captain Iring, Iring, is that how we're going to say that one? Uh, they're ignored, not relevant again, so yeah. don't worry about it. Ignored the taunt. They were all accustomed to such unmilitary behavior from the doctor. So I think that kind of sums him up. He's, like, just sarcastic he cares about his patients and he's unmilitary that, that, that was a good read I'd, I'd cast you as Tarrant <laughs> I liked Tarrant like I did I related to Tarrant I was like, if I'm gonna be involved in like something I don't wanna be involved in I'm gonna be bitchy the whole time like that's me to a T yeah that was good I liked it <laughs> And so we learned Tarrant is Alderani, and like in his mental thing, he's like, "Oh, so this is the guy who married the princess. Good for you, princess. Must be, <laughs> must be quite a man. Also, he's clearly very hot, even if he's dying." Uh, but once Han is awake again, he is of course pulled out by Oversk, 
in negotiations by Skype with Leia up in the command ship above the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, space Skype. <laughs> Star Skype? Star Skype? Star Skype, Star Skype sounds good. <laughs> uh, I remember one of the most terrible fanfics I ever MST'd where... The first part was terrible, and the second part had all of the Star Wars and Sailor Moon characters in a Star Wars chat room talking to each other for no reason, and it was supposed to be humorous, but it was both bad humor and incredibly badly formatted, mm. and it's going to stay with me till the end of my days. <laughs> I'm the, so sorry. The kind of pain you definitely inflicted on yourself. And... Uh, I have no one to blame but myself. Exactly. <laughs> so as you'd expect, Overisk's over like, I want to talk to your admiral. And Leia comes on. Actually, he doesn't so. even get to Leia immediately. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, oh, put on your admiral. And he gets Admiral Collins, who I guess... I, what, what's Leia's rank? All this military stuff confuses me. <laughs> I don't know what their rank was at the end of... What's Leia's rank? Yeah. Leia's a princess. <laughs> Leia's That's her rank. Not in the Republic. No, she's an admiral. She's also an admiral. Yeah. Okay, right? well, whatever. Because we have am another I, Admiral talking here. That? Admiral Collins. Uh, Solo was pleased to see his co-commander's gray eyes as confident and steady as ever. Co-commander? So, wasn't Leia a general? I'm so confused. Anyway, this guy who Overs because of talking with says, We saw what you savages did to our wounded. General uh-huh. Solo would not have approved of what I'm about to do, but he is dead and your tactics leave me no other option. You and your command have proved yourselves as ruthless murderers. Now you pay the penalty. In, calmly he checked his wrist cron, Precisely 35 minutes, you and all your and all your vermin will be dead. Nuclear weapons are messy, but effective. And Overs like, well, actually, Solo's alive, and I've got him right here. And both this other Admiral and Leia are like, that doesn't really change our plans, because we do not negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> and then uh, Han Solo's like, fuck yeah, light him up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and they're more like, oh, you've got, you've got Solo, that's great. Turn him over, and maybe we don't nuke you. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that's the way they're trying to play it. Yeah, the Imperials... I mean, I'm not telling people how to run a successful hostage negotiation, but <laughs> they broke mm-hmm. a cardinal rule where they didn't gag the victim. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Which would have helped. Well, everybody's pretty much on the same page, but the negotiations go to a weird place because they start torturing Han. Well, of course they do, right? They're like, well, you know, we'll inflict terrible pain on him if you don't. And that actually seems to surprise the the... Rebel people up in the fleet because it's not like Leia seems actually shocked. (laughs) I mean, I kind of would have expected that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Wait, do they? What did they do to him Uh, at this point? Yeah. Um, Uh, It's alright if we don't remember, but well, either they actually start torturing right there, or they threaten it, or whatever. I, yeah, I couldn't remember if they actually threatened it or did it. That was well, the main reason I was actually asking. Exactly when various damage is inflicted on Han's body in this fanfic is not the most important thing. Suffice uh, it to say, it's probably happening. But, you know, he's saying no deals up until the end. And yeah. they, um, they basically give them, you know, a certain time limit to, like, change their approach, or else the bombs are falling or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so then you have kind of the status quo for a little while, which is Han in the Imperial base and the Armada, like, up above. But you've got various sources of tension. For one thing, Tarrant, the doctor there, mm-hmm. he's 
kind of sympathetic with Han. He's still, like, on the Imperial side, but he does his best to protect him and, like, keep him in one piece against, you know, against the Imperial forces kind of going overboard on hurting him or whatever, that sort of thing. He's also got an assistant named Jared, who is a clone trooper, or former clone trooper, but, um, mm-hmm. like, he's mute, or if he doesn't talk, at least. Yeah, he doesn't talk, and they kind of specified that they killed most of the clones, but yeah. he was, like, one of the ones that was saved to that, be this they, assistant. They treated, him, they treated him like horses. Like, he had a broken leg, yeah. so they were going to kill him. He was like, no, let's just not, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tarrant, or whatever his name is, the doctor, kind of recruited him as an assistant to save him from that fate. And mm-hmm. so there's this idea introduced of um, prejudice against... Or did, more like prejudice is probably a weak word. Uh, uh, yeah, more like genocide. Yeah, genocide and oppression against clones in the Imperial forces. Right. And so that's kind of a thing going on. Another thing is that back up on the ship, they start immediately planning on mounting a rescue operation, right? And um, what's his name? That Jedi who is around... Um, you know, Luke. Yeah, you know, Luke's there, too. That's not a name. <laughs> <laughs> Does Skywalker sound better? Yeah, th- that sounds like a Star Wars name, yeah. Skywalking <laughs> on my haters. And uh, so he's heavily involved. He can kind of sense Han's pain directionally, at least when Han is conscious. And it's an interesting little, like, you know, weird resource plot thread that, like, when Han is unconscious... Luke can't do this. Mm-hmm. So it's only, like, part of the time that he kind of has a read, even through the Force. Honestly, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. It's just yeah. not something I would have thought of Yeah, until Which it I was introduced as a plot point. It's very clever, because the author makes that work for the tension of the plot. Yeah, because otherwise it would just be like, Luke's like, oh yeah, he's over there. like <laughs> Every single time, yeah. Because there's a point where Han loses consciousness, and then it becomes tension. I... I think it's brilliant because it makes sense and it creates tension. Good job. It's a bit tricky to <laughs> write plus. force powers because you either go too weak where they're not important or too strong and they fix everything. Yeah. And here's the thing is like this is kind of the point in Luke's training where he's becoming really strong in the force. So I like that this like sort of like with the books shows him being like kind of confident and strong in the force. Yeah. But he still has limitations. Right. He's got some tricks that he has down pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget how Star Wars Die 20 works. Do you have to commit skill points to force powers? I think. I think oh, you do. I don't remember either. Uh, I don't think they're feat-based. Or maybe they are to unlock some things, but then you still have to dump skill points in them. I feel like they're more like how like magic works in D&D, but I don't remember. No, wait, they are skills. They're, they're skills. skills. Yeah, yeah. they're force check. So it's one of those yes, things where your Jedi is right. not going to know how to do anything except force. Yeah. And uh, Moisture Farm. <laughs> He's got those, like, four ranks in profession Moisture Farmer. Yeah, uh-huh. that's why I had my um, a Jedi character uh, specializing in a blaster. <laughs> I'll never see it coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, exactly. <laughs> also want to throw out here that um, Chewie, once again, in this fanfic, like, uh, what's the last Star Wars fanfic we read? Uh, the Kassal one? Yeah, the Kessel Run, whatever. Uh, Chewie's dialogue is completely translated. Yes, yes, which is what we nice. liked about I, I do like it. Our, our former fanfic where the same thing happened. Like <laughs> it, it, It's totally necessary. I don't know why anyone would go another direction, yeah. honestly. I feel like he should have subtitles on the screen. We, we've mm-hmm. mentioned it in the other episode, but just to recap, 
if you want to have a character, make it so you can communicate with the other characters. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not a character, it's a background piece. Yeah, yes. and so it means you actually get a character exchanges. Like, you know, they're all kind of gathering together and talking about the Han situation. And, you know, Leia greets Luke. Luke, she greeted quietly, hugging him briefly, then trying to smile for Chewbacca, who looked as lost as ever without his, quote, cub, unquote. Weren't they all? Can you forgive me, Chewie, she asked for, like, sending him down and putting him in this situation. Mm -hmm. The immense Wookiee reached down and patted her shoulder with that gentle touch that always astounded her from one so large. I cannot always be with him, he said. You were right to... Then they get interrupted. Right. But, like, I don't know. It's just, like, you know, in the original Star Wars movies, you don't get... You get humor from, like, them understanding what he's saying and reacting to it but not hearing it, and that's kind of funny. Yeah. But it doesn't do a lot to build Chewie. It's not a character. Right. I... I think that there's a difference though like i still think chewy is built somewhat as a character in a visual medium because yeah, yeah. of like expression and action and the element of interpretation i just think that when you know so it sort of works like i still would like to see the subtitles like i said but point being that when you move into the pure verbal medium you need that translation or you're gonna get nothing from this character <laughs> yeah like, chewy the character in the movies is is a nonverbal communication character. Yeah. Yeah. So like enough, right? Yeah. But yeah, and this you you just need the translation. So I always think it's just a smart idea to do it. Yes. So other plot things happen. For one thing, Hagrin shows up. Haggis. Hagrin the apprentice Sith shows up, journeyman Sith, and kind of takes charge. And um there's something going on which is that they're basically buying time to try to repair their ion cannons down at the Imperial base, which, if they manage to get them back online unexpectedly, Mm -hmm. they would be able to, like, hopefully do a surprise assault on the ships up there and take them out. Yeah, the giant anti-aircraft guns. And so you get... Oh, sorry, go on. Oh, just that you get another, like, Han being heroic and in heavy pain thing, where he's, like, sending Morse code. They don't call it that because, you know, Morse is not a person who is alive in Star Wars, or if it was. Well, what do they mm. call it in English, then? <laughs> uh, you're right. Well, whatever. Uh, he basically sends a Morse code message by messing with some wires that he has access to and causing static on the communications between the Imperial base and the ships up there mm-hmm. to communicate that, like, uh, back up ion cannons. And, you know, they basically get the message. I actually really like that part because... It actually comes from the Imperial side first that they realize what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And that kind of makes the reader like suspicious as to what's really going on too. So like I forget who discovers what he's doing, if it's Oversk, maybe? Yeah, I think it's Oversk, who's the yeah. competent one. No, I, I think Hagrin notices it. Oh, Hagrin. Yeah, he's been lying there, yeah. tugging on the table, sending like, code. Hagrin's the competent one. He's the competent one. Then there's Oversk, and then there's Iring. There's, like, three Imperials that keep interacting with him. Hagrin's and, uh, the, like, the intimidating one. Yeah, that but... is definitely descending order of competence. Right there. <laughs> yes, And exactly. that's pretty much well, all you rank. need to know about yeah. them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty much. But yeah, Iring keeps coming back for, like, stupid reasons. Anyway, point being is that Hagrin notices this, and he's like, you fools. Right. And so you're kind of like, wait a second. And then we get the um, New Republic side where they're like, we've been getting a message, guys. And I, and I I was implying that he was sending a long message. It's Morse code. Obviously, it's not a long message. He's, he's tapping out I-O-N, I-O-N, I-O-N. And they put that together. It's like, oh, the ion cannons. must They must be trying to get them back online or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
Han Solo keeps on sending us messages about Oni over and over again. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> They've got Oni. <laughs> Very dangerous. Uh, prepare the beans, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Now Oni, go away. <laughs> Neo. Tapping out Neo. N-I-O? Yeah. yeah no, that's Not just Nio? I don't know. That's a, that's a, a video game. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. a samurai game. It's Dark yeah. Souls-like. Oh, yeah. yeah. I like that game. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it be embarrassing if you got one letter wrong in your Morse code message at the wrong time? I feel like I would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially, like, if I had problems remembering which vowel was which, specifically. It's like E-O-N, so it's just one. <laughs> Eon. Also, one. if you were, like, passing out from blood loss and, like, changed the wall and you just, like, fell, like, kind of passed out tapping it, you'd get a long instead of a short. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not good, friends. So Han does a good job doing the um, not Morse Morse code. Yeah. And those plot threads basically play out. I mean, the commando team gets down there, they manage to track down Han, and, you know, there's other stuff about, you know, pain and danger or whatever, but, like, the, take that as a given. The uh, hand-crushing thing? Did we get to that? Uh, no. When does the hand get crushed? Somewhere around this point in time. Why does the hand get crushed? The second movie, right? That's when that happened? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is Han's hand. Han, yeah. The second prequel, right? <laughs> <laughs> It just that that stood out to me as a scene. It, it was kind of when Hagrid like first shows up and is like, "Ha ha ha! I'm evil and alive." Oh yeah. And yeah. then he broadcasts to Leia, and this the reason it stands out is because Leia sort of like had a plan, and she was being like very confident and Han and confidence in her plan, because um, the only way they've been able to communicate other than the code is seeing each other face-to-face with the Imperials present. So, like, their confidence was kind of this mask, mm-hmm. but when Hagrin steps on his hand and crushes all the bones in Han's hand, not only is, like, extremely painful for him to the point where he has to cry out, like, it's overwhelming, this is also when Leia's mask starts to fall because she's, like, overwhelmed and she's really fully feeling the danger for the first time. Which I think the author does a good job of reinforcing her fear through the nightmare early on about Hagrin, like, destroying Han. But this is kind of the point where it all sinks in, and the Imperials start to feel confidence. So I feel like that was kind of a turning point in the plot where you're like, I don't know if the New Republic's, like, gonna succeed here. Because they, like, Leia's whole plan kind of falls apart when her confidence fades and her mask falls. Mm -hmm. And the Imperials see that, too. Yeah. Now, the, uh, by the way, there's also some stakes here because the main ship, the command ship, has not withdrawn when they get the ion message. They send back the other ships, but they keep that one in place. Both kind of, I guess, to make it seem like they don't know about the ion cannons. Yeah. And also to kind of support the commando team and help extract them if necessary on short notice or whatever. They just apply like they, some pressure. They, yeah, they need someone still there. And so Leia's still, like, there in the line of fire. Uh, the commando team does get down there, though. Like, they, they go through some caves that Luke is able to kind of guide them the right direction through when Han is conscious and all that kind of thing. It's all fairly effective. And once they meet up with them, Tarrant and Jared kind of just switch sides. I mean... For one thing, Tarrant is Alderanian. His sympathies lie with them anyway. Yeah. And for another yeah. thing... For, but the other thing is, though, that he's also very concerned about Jared. And he wants to get Jared to somewhere where he's not in danger of being killed. Also, like, the whole implication with his character was that he was 
only being a doctor for the Imperials because he thought he would, like, do good as a doctor, yeah. basically, and save more lives. So, yeah, he's never been, like, fully, really allied with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mentioned in the beginning how uh, Tarrant was always talking shit to the brass about killing everybody mm-hmm. and not liking that. <laughs> yeah. And the Hagrin thing, well, okay, they, they don't just cut and run immediately once they save Han and such because they need to sabotage the reactor that they're trying to get online for the ion cannons, of course, right? Right. And in the ongoing Hagrin development, here's one of the comments they also like. Uh, you know Hagrin's here? Han asks Luke, asked Luke. Yes, Skywalker replied tightly. Leo was right. He has the Force. He must have hidden his aura from me until after we'd gone. You mean he can do all the same neat tricks as Vader could? He's had no training, or very little, Luke considered, ignoring the sarcasm. (laughs) He sighed heavily. Yes, he has the potential to become as powerful as Vader. So, you know, just part of that kind of like, he's strong in the Force, but he's also kind of just mucking around in the Force. Mm -hmm. Thing is, if you're dark side, though, you can do that. So like, yeah. Light side is the one that needs to be disciplined and trained to do specific things. <laughs> Dark side is just tapping into yourself unrefined and just going for it. Yeah, and, and I like this through line too because obviously they run into Hagrin. Like they can't get out without a lightsaber duel. Yes. That's just against every yeah. principle that the Star Wars universe <laughs> is founded on, right? And so Hagrin shows up with a lightsaber, which is a new thing. And Luke, Luke couldn't mask his surprise. Where did you get that? He exclaimed. Surely the man did not have power sufficient to produce his own force weapon? <laughs> Hagrin seemed to have read his mind. No, it's not mine. They are plentiful enough if you know where to look. Vader collected them, you know. So did the hut. Most came from the bodies of those the Dark Lord butchered. And, you know, all that kind of thing. And so it's like, he's trying to play it off as, yeah, it's cool because I have stocks of weapons. But it's also just like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I found a lightsaber. So now I've got a lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> and then e- even in the fight... The way it's portrayed is that, like, uh, they parried and jabbed. Luke with agility and finesse, Hagrin clumsily but with strength and cruel cunning. Right. So I just kind of like, I like the way this guy's portrayed (laughs) as a new Sith villain because it sets him apart from, like, the cold and, like, effective and very skilled Mm. Darth Vader or, you know, the the physically weak Palpatine. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the prequels weren't out yet, but it's even different I mean, I guess it's more of like a Darth Maul kind of thing. Well, Except no, he Darth talks. Maul is very Not trained. Really. Yeah. Darth Maul is very trained, right. He's just very good. Darth Maul yeah. is more like, um, what do I want to say, like a, like a very skilled soldier. Yeah, yeah. So he's like very emotionless. Hagrin is not that. And it also sets him up as a good counterpoint to Luke because it's not a dichotomy. They're actually kind of on the same point of just sort of like having to train their own skills because all their masters mm. are dead. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I thought it was a very like clever way to set up a a Sith villain in an ongoing post original yeah. movie Star Wars. It seems fanfic. like what they were trying to do with Kylo Ren, but kind of missed. <laughs> no, that yeah, that didn't really. It's not really Kylo Ren at all. Well, j- just someone who's just pure fury. Yeah, no, but, but I. They, but they went a weird I actually, hmm. I do like. I actually have have yeah, very similar feelings feelings about this character as I do about. Kylo Ren, um, except Kylo Ren is a little bit worse to me because his uh, his motivation didn't stand up in the way that I thought that it should. I thought yeah. with Kylo Ren, it could have been a really good motivation. It just didn't hold up. With Hagrin, we don't really get much of motivation. We just get that he's a very angry guy. Right. So I do feel like that's the piece that's missing is I would like to know why. Well, there's got to but... be more of that in other stories. 
I just yeah. kind of like conceptually how yes. they set him up. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and that's where I was going with that is like you have a very good point that he's not this cold, calculating Sith leader that most others are. Like Darth Vader is fueled by anger, but he is a stoic mask whenever he interacts. Hagrin is like fallible, you know? He and, like makes mistakes and he reacts like, you know, out of pocket and stuff. Speaking of Kylo Ren and Sith emotions, by the way, like Kylo Ren as originally portrayed with like being all anger doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. But Kylo Ren by the end of episode eight being fueled by mostly fear kind of really works for me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I really like that. Uh, like in like yeah, just fear and paranoia as like the dark side emotions, as opposed to just like rawr, I'm a teenager yeah. and I hate my parents and the world. <laughs> oh my god, that's so true. It is unfortunately so very true. Yeah. like it's a little bit too true. It's very true. Anyway, back to the fanfic. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so uh, where were we at here? Uh, escape, you know, sabotage and escape. Uh, yeah, yeah. So there's this whole thing where they have to sabotage the Ion Cannon. Yeah. And apparently the only person who can do that is Han. Yeah, because reasons. Um, <laughs> yeah. I do like when he's explaining this plan, and they ask him, um, like, how long are we going to have to escape um, When once you set it up? Where is this? Oh, yeah, Luke didn't look very impressed. How long will we have to get clear? Oh, about ten seconds, Solo said, straight-faced. Ten seconds, his companions echoed. If you don't rig it on remote, Solo concluded impishly. One of these days, Solo, Chewbacca threatened, startling Jarrett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Solo retorted, you and whose army? Okay, so here's my plan. <laughs> I, I like anyway. that it, that Jared was freaked out by this because, like, one kind of assumes that Jared doesn't speak the Wookiee language. <laughs> I would so, assume. So like, it, he's just hearing, like, growling from this giant being he just met. So I think that's actually, like, a really funny juxtaposition, you know? Yeah. Of Chewbacca's actual words as our main protagonists hear them versus what we as the viewer would hear if were we watching it in film. It kind of brings us back to Chewbacca's voice while still having it translated for us. I didn't even notice that, but you're right. That's actually perfectly set up because <laughs> yeah. it is just like, from Jared's perspective, <laughs> Yeah. And I think it helps us like see Chewbacca the way we saw him in the movies going, I can't make a Wookiee. That's a better so Wookiee than I did, though. So. I'm so sorry. Ten for ten, would Wookiee again. <laughs> Anything else we want to kind of touch on in the escape attempt? I mean, obviously, it's cinematic and it works. Like, what else would you be expecting? Well, if they knew they had ion cannons and they had a commando team, they could have an engineering expert come with them on the commando. You know, know, whatever. (laughs) Mm, That's a good point. That actually is an excellent point. But I don't think they were anticipating what they had to do. Well, no, they must have been, right? (laughs) Right. Now I'm confused. (laughs) Unless the plan was just, like, get Han clear and then nuke them after all but that wasn't well, the plan no, they're, they're still planning to get them to like surrender and take no, captives and not have to murder everybody there, that's still a plan wasn't there something about like something unexpected happened otherwise like mm, I'm forgetting the, the plot I, details there they're really what oh, I might be wrong <laughs> it, it's not a big deal though it's just like circumstances demand that the heroes do really heroic stuff right sure yeah Star Wars yeah <laughs> um, and you know they managed to to get out, obviously, Hagrin is not brought to any kind of decisive end. Um, what happens in, in that duel? I don't even remember. 
oh yeah, right, there's an explosion. Of course, there's the explosion when they bomb the reactor thing. And then afterwards, like, did you kill him, kid? Asks Solo. Skywalker's shoulders heaved in a weary sigh. I'm sorry, I lost him after the explosion. He's shielding again with all these projections from the wounded, and he's a re reoccurring villain, so we can't kill him. <laughs> this isn't dramatic enough to finish him off. Exactly. So that's, that's mostly it. Han gets brought back on board conscious enough to say hi to Leia. Um, and, you know, they get their relationship banter like they do. And she says, right, Han, she cried, and he felt her arms about him. Then Chewie put his stubbornness down before he passes out completely. His stubbornness, huh? Han mumbled, feeling himself being lowered gently, not to the ground, but onto a padded stretcher. He squinted up at his wife, finding her as beautiful, angry, and concerned as ever. Look who's calling who's stubborn. I didn't send that warning for nothing, you know. Got my hand busted for you, and you... Oh, shut up, Leia commanded. She lay one hand gently to his bruised face, then lowered her mouth to his, kissing him with heartfelt, tender welcome. Solo reached up weakly and wiped tears from her cheeks. That's the nicest way I've ever been shut up in my life, he said softly. Do it again, any time. And then he passes out from blood loss while they're trying to get an IV in him, of course. Sure. But that's, you know, the authors seem to like that relationship. That's how they wrote it. So then there's just some falling action. Um, Han's still pretty beaten up, and he can't even be back dead. By the way, there was an ongoing plot thing where the Imperials' medical supplies were just total crap. Yeah, yeah they're, so, like, they're a refugee army. They're on the run. They have no medical supplies. Oh, yeah. So multiple people complain about, like, you're sewing up his wounds? And the doctor's like, that's what I got to work with. <laughs> yeah, they were like, stitches? This is... Yeah, they were getting shrapnel out of uh, Solo's leg. And they're like, we think we got it all. We can't scan, so good luck, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was nuts. But he can't even be just dumped in back to right now because his he doesn't have a clean break, I think. Um, yeah, it was something about not being able to reset the bone properly, but... At least among some of his wounds, right? Yeah, well, I think it was the hand, maybe, that got oh, crushed. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. The bones have not yet been prepared. There's a little bit of abuse directed from Han towards the medical assistant droid, like the nurse droid. Yeah, which is in character for him, and they actually call attention to it, that he's just an asshole to droids. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, after that, I mean, it, it's falling action. They kind of check in. Taryn gets to set himself up being a doctor and, you know, meet meet his princess and like they're happy to have another yeah. Alderanian around. Yeah, and well we didn't really establish like he was basically like almost passed out when he first saw her on the vid screen because he was like in awe, like, oh Princess Leia. Mm -hmm. So he's like, you know, like super respectful of her. I mean it makes sense being an Alderanian. But he originally set up Tarrant has a, like, interesting story because he wanted to free Jared. And, like, that was his main goal. And he was just going to send Jared without him. And it turned out that he had to flee, too. So, like, getting to be a part of Princess Leia's team... Entourage. Yeah. ...is, like, really delightful for him. And actually, Han's really happy to have him as a doctor because, you know, he treated him pretty well. Yeah, so that, uh, that's kind of sweet, really. Han liked this, liked this guy from the get-go. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't like the other doctor on the ship, apparently. No, and he doesn't like the droids. <laughs> also, why, why aren't there more Alderani characters? I mean, in stories? It, it's another of those Star Wars plot threads. There was a Princess Leia, at least comic miniseries. I don't know if it was the Dark Horse time. No, it might be like the, the more recent run of Star Wars comics that I guess Marvel's putting out. Mm -hmm. And the plot there was that she's kind of going around contacting Alderanian um, 
refugees, Alderanian yeah. community remnants, like but other culturally Alderanian people who were not on the planet when it exploded. That's cool. Yeah. And, yeah. But that's what, like, where I'm at, though, is, like, considering the number of other people we see, most of the people who are Alderanian died when the planet exploded. So it makes yeah. sense they're not a big percentage of the galaxy now. Sure, but it also makes sense that it wouldn't just be Leia. No, yeah. And so, course. like, it's it's fruitful plot territory. But also in Star Wars stories, there's a lot of people that come from Corellia also. <laughs> <laughs> and Corellia wasn't destroyed, was it? No. no, but there's a large percentage of people from there that are, that are not oh, living yeah, there. yeah, like an, a disproportionate... Well, yeah, that's because yeah. apparently but, their export is scoundrels. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, not specifically that but that Corellians try to get out if they can basically that's like the idea there's a strategic resource of scoundrels that they have locked up somewhere <laughs> that they release and like hold on to at certain times oh. I'd also like to comment if we were talking about the Princess Leia miniseries mm-hmm. by the end of that miniseries there's a lot fewer Alderanians of course yeah <laughs> because you don't want to get caught up in a Star Wars plot ever no that's <laughs> bad for everybody unless you are a main 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 character or an Ewok or, yeah, I guess the Ewoks come out of it fine. They come out all right. Not great, but all right. I, mean, I don't know. I just don't as think... good as they started. Not really. They, they like lose some. They're they whole... some Ewoks. Or am I thinking of the Ewok adventure? <laughs> <laughs> what I was thinking is that their whole planet got involved in this, like, interstellar conflict that they really didn't want to be a part of. Cause yeah, like... but there was one battle they won, and they looted the shit out of the other side. So I yeah, think but, like, they... why did they have to be involved in that battle in the first place, you know? Like, it didn't seem like they had a say. No. It seems kind of bad for them. Also, remember the scenes of, like, the village where, like, the families were protecting their children <laughs> and, like, running away from from the firing that that was sad yeah sure yeah. i guess there's not even any point in looting the enemy because their sticks and rocks are superior to the enemy equipment well there's mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of good meat there that's true <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> I mean, they did try to try to eat them first thing right no yeah yeah it's fair mm-hmm. <laughs> so the end of the fanfic it it's a cliffhanger mm-hmm. well, not exactly cliffhanger but like dangly uh... plot thread right because Leia's watching Han sleeping peacefully because he's on some heavy drugs now. I wish the nightmare was over, she whispered. And that's tying into, you know, the literal nightmare she had at the very beginning that is reoccurring. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't. She knew it, and Luke did too. He'd said as much to her on the way up in the aid shuttle. I saw into Hagrid's mind, Leia, Skywalker had said tiredly. There's something between him and Han. He's not going to let go. I've got to stop him before he finds Han again. Leia shivered. She held Solo tight, wanting to protect him from what was to come. The thing that jumps out at me, at me in that is, why is when we're kind of in Leia's head, Luke being referred to as Skywalker? That I noticed that too. She held Solo <laughs> tight. Yeah, there's like a lot of that. And like Luke being referred to as Skywalker is especially weird as like a sibling. I mean, I know they don't share the same last name being raised separately, but still like... Well, yeah, they have different names. Yeah. Yeah. But still, like, do you refer to your siblings by their last name? <laughs> All my siblings have different last names now. But oh, so you can. You... So I could. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, I still feel like it would be weird for me to call a sibling by a last name. <laughs> I think the author impulse is just that, like, uh, I don't yeah. want to call him Luke every time, so sometimes I'll call him Skywalker. And then maybe they didn't yeah. pay quite enough attention to, like, where it would be appropriate to do so. Yeah, like, I kind of get the solo thing more because it's a lot more consistent in this plot. Like, I still don't know if Leia would think of him that way, but he's always Han Solo. Like, right. you know, so it's not weird necessarily. She might call him Solo. Like, why not, right? But calling Luke Skywalker, she's never done that. 
So, whatever. All right, so that's the fanfic. 1990 Star Award winner, Gathering Darkness. What do we have to complain about on our way out of it? Mm, Pain's not fun to read. <laughs> Pain's not fun to read, it's true. That, that's just a simple thought. It's, <laughs> it's generally well-written pain, but it's not... It's a... It's not the theme I was expecting when I went into it, and it's probably not the theme I would have chosen. It's not what I enjoy experiencing. It's not fun to read, though I do think it's described fairly well in this. However, I think, you know, I was trying to formulate my complaint, and it's something (laughs) similar. It's that the plot doesn't move through the action quite as quickly as I feel it should. And a lot of that is there's a great amount of tension held up in Han experiencing pain, which is portrayed really well and is uh, pretty interesting. It's just after a certain point, you kind of get caught in this cycle of like what physical thing is going to happen to him next. And Mm, it does get a little tiring because you want to see a different conflict. Like the first time he's injured, that's a conflict. But when he's injured again with the hand and like, you know, again later on, and then when he has to fight his physical injury in order to like defeat the ion cannon, it does become kind of exhausting to read. Though I do think there is a market for that type of story, like a survival oriented story. I get it. It wasn't necessarily my jam. I did read a lot of survival stories as a kid. This is bring, bringing up some memories. Yeah. Like, like the hatchet sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And hatchet. It's very much like that. Yeah. But yes. Then why don't I... Why is it making, making mm. me feel uneasy now? It, there's not <laughs> the same kind of physical trauma in hatchet. I mean, it's like no. starvation more than like getting goryly wounded, yeah. if I remember right. And there's more of a through line... In this, it kind of bounces back and forth between the political drama and the emotional tension between Han and yeah. like Han and Leia's thing with Hagrin, and then back to the physical injuries, which are repetitive. Whereas survival stories are more like, oh, today I go out to search for food and water, and today I get injured, and I take a few days to recover. This was a lot of different genres kind of mashed together, I uh, guess. Hmm. I think... I'm not a fan of overexposition, but as a Hagrin fan, or a fan of the concept of Hagrin, I should say, <laughs> I could have used a couple sentences orienting us on who this dude is, because this was published in mm-hmm. a zine by itself, not next to other stories in its continuity, as far as I can tell. That is the, a good point. The reader, yeah. the reader like really probably has not read other things, just like we haven't. I'm, I, I mean, maybe they were because it was a small community of you know, Han-focused zine or fanfic writers, but you've got to expect that somebody would be reading it not having any context, like us, and just a little context yeah. would have been nice. you got to give something for the uh, the new fangrins they made in that story. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, I still think it holds up despite not having, have, having that context. I just think it would have been, like, just so much better to know that character, you know? Hmm. It's going to be all... Hagrin fanfic retrospective from here on out. Mm. I've got access to everything this author ever wrote, apparently. Right here. Mm. Every time you say the name, I, I totally expected to, to go to Hagrid. Hagrid. Mm-hmm. Now, Hagrid as a Sith would Same. be pretty frightening. It's, I'm not going to lie to you. That's like actually what I pictured when I pictured this character. I couldn't help it. It's not a bad idea. Like, I think... Uh, 
Well, the, the thing is, can you get a giant lightsaber made? Because if you get a giant lightsaber made, ooh. I don't know why they, not. They picture him as, like, pretty big and intimidating. Like, I think you have the housing for the lightsaber and the crystal, and then you set yeah. the boundary of oh. the lightsaber so you can change it to different sizes. Yeah, well, then can't I just totally set my can. lightsaber and have a range of, like, 10 meters and just point it at people and, like, spin it a little bit around and cut <laughs> them all in half from far away? That's the plan a, for my Jedi character in a D20 game. <laughs> I think there's a them. limited range depending on the size of the crystal. So you need a really big crystal to match Hagrid's size. Perhaps. And then you can have, like, this um, Claymore lightsaber. Yeah, I mean, some are longer than others, so... I guess. It depends on your, yeah. your source material, I think. <laughs> Well, in Spaceballs, it's right? all about the size of your Schwartz. <laughs> so uh, maybe it's all yeah. individual. Spaceballs is canon, right? <laughs> sure, Amato. <laughs> Star Wars canon? Yeah. Uh, anyway, what do we want to praise from this fanfic? We already talked about good description of pain. Yeah. Solid concept for a new Sith antagonist following up from Darth Vader. I liked the Doctor OC. Yeah. And it's kind of... With some fanfics, with established characters, it's kind of hard to, like, kind of neatly integrate new characters without seeming, like, jarring or not as... I don't want to say offensive, but I end up feeling offended. <laughs> yeah. So it was nice to see a, a character that didn't seem out of place. That was nice. That was acceptable. Mm-hmm. Overall, I actually just wanted more from the story. And to me, like... Wanting more from a story is praise. Like, I was really engaged with, like, Tarot the Doctor and Jared, who hardly spoke, but, like, yeah. I really wanted to know more about him. Yeah. He was and, also very sympathetic. Yeah. Like, they introduced really sympathetic characters. Leanne Han's relationship was established, like, similar to the way it was in the books, and had some issues with certain interactions of theirs, but for the most part, like, there were hints of how their relationship was going on, and I wanted to know more about that. So to me, this was like, and Hagrid too, I wanted to know more about what like, he was like. And I think that's because so many of what concepts the author introduced, like character concepts, were kind of unique. Yeah, and it's like really good really conceptual fun. space for new characters. Yeah. Because Hagrid and Tarrant and Jared, all of them are not kind of copies of people it's not like another smuggler or yeah. like another mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. i mean hagrin is another sith but <laughs> and but, then the other one is literally a clone but <laughs> <laughs> well, well but like wounded clone with like medic wounded medical assistant clone who is yeah. heavily discriminated against and you know possibly dangerous <laughs> yeah. life that's like new character territory but it's all elements that you can draw from star wars well, that old story yeah, yeah. <laughs> well it's also new plot territory because they decided that the imperials were like killing off all the clones here mm-hmm. which totally makes sense yeah but like yeah they went there and they described their reasoning behind like why these characters exist as they did like why jared was persecuted and I also liked, you know, character work with Luke felt like the confident Luke of the books. So I have to assume they read the books, but if I, they didn't. They did some good assumption work there. I think probably. But like he didn't intrude on the story too much, which I think sometimes is the failing of the extended universe is that like Luke feels like the be all end all. Yeah. Like just mm-hmm. annoying that way. But this way he wasn't, he was there like as the same character, like being kind of like, I don't know confident and competent 
but not as an intrusion on the plot. I liked that a lot. And and Han was flawed and Leia was flawed and they were the centerpieces and I liked that. And Chewie was perfect, of course, which we also yeah. have to applaud. Oh yeah, of course. Chewie <laughs> was written perfectly. I no, I just meant a, a perfect person. Yeah, and a perfect person. Right. Yeah. I, I do like how... And like the two case samples we have of Chewie talking and being a character, they're like a paragon of humanity, like the, <laughs> the, the, the perfect sweetest person. And I mean, yeah, like, do I'm, we have evidence that Chewie is not that? No, you know? he no, might like, tear off your arms if you beat him at chess, right? Yeah. He might actually like, tear off your arms, though. I like that interpretation of <laughs> Chewie that he's like a super sweetie because it implies that... Han just uses him as a piece to intimidate people. Yeah, well, that fits perfectly, though. Exactly. Like, I would, I would That's why I love believe that. that. Right. Yeah. Like I just love that. Just stand there and look menacing, and Han <laughs> will do the actual like intimidating threats. Yeah. Well, and it it kind of is implied in the source because like Chewie will be like, ah, and Han will be like. He said he's going to kill you. <laughs> like, does that happen much? Because if it does, that's great. I just don't remember it, it. It's not like, I mean, maybe not directly like that, but I but think But Han's the that. one that does lean over and say, like, because a droid doesn't rip people's arms out of their sockets when they lose. Right. <laughs> Chewie mm-hmm. does not say anything of the sort. No. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> we hardly, like, he doesn't even seem to get that upset. Like, maybe a little bit, but, you know, everybody gets upset when they lose. Like. Yeah. All right. I think that wraps it up, then. It's a not super long story. It, I mean, it won the award for best long story, but I think that's long as opposed to shorter. Not long by the standards of the hecka long things that I sometimes make you two read. <laughs> Truth. Well, next week, though, we're going to go even shorter. I believe we are going to be reading The Very Secret Diaries, of the Fellowship, not the very secret diary that we read before that is based on Harry Potter. And so this is, it was a big internet thing back in the day. Well, let's see how well it holds up. We will see how well it holds up. But at the very least, it's not very long. This is, of course, by extremely successful author Cassandra Clare, who at the time was not an extremely successful commercial author. And you can find a link there at bit.ly slash secret. Was that one of the authors we read stuff of before? Yes, we read Draco Dormians by Cassandra uh, Clare. Oh, okay. Oh, that's the one that went on to be like a published young adult author. Yes, a, not just published, but like top. Like popular. Top, top yeah. young adult author. Right. The Mortal Instruments trilogy, not trilogy, series is, I believe, quite a hit. And oh. I haven't gotten around to reading it. Oh, that's them. Okay. That's them. Yeah. Mortal yep. Instruments. That reminds me of like his dark materials. I, uh, maybe. <laughs> I haven't actually read them. It might be that kind of thing. Oh, it's just the this the title. Yeah. Well, we'll find out whether it's still funny in the cold, harsh light of 2019 next week. As for this, this was episode 63 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, Gathering Darkness by Carolyn Golledge. Golledge. Something like that. Uh, published in 1990 in a zine. You can find a link to the Wayback Machine copy of the archived copy of this on the Corellian Embassy at bit.ly slash rfrdarkness. The intro song is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. Our outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find those works and other songs by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. Have comments, questions, or thoughts about the episode? Please contact us on Twitter at RetroFanfic, Facebook at RetroFanfic, Reddit at Fanfic Retrospective, 
or send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com. You can also leave comments or reviews on Apple Podcasts in particular, or the podcast service of your choice. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Dom. We're just three Earth lifeforms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. Do you think I can sell like a self-help book series about how to become a Sith and just like do whatever the fuck you want? Just make a lot of money? Uh, you're going to have to pat out that word Yeah, no, you're right. Self-Sith training seems way easier than self-Jedi training. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, they had the whole mantra and the whole Sith thing, but this comes down to, like, even the last line of the thing is, like, it, and that will set me free, and, like, my passion will set me free. Yeah, so do what you want mm-hmm. emotionally. Do, do what you want. Do it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know that thing you want? Go do that. Right. You know that unhealthy coping me- mechanism you have? Do Lean into a, it. A lot. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> I do like the detail of that. Of, of course, all the shitty rich people would collect lightsabers. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> of course, there's a bunch of lightsabers ha- lying around, you know, somewhere. Yeah, there was a lot of places. Jedi Knights. Not all of them now are, there's very few. Not all of them are great. <laughs> no one's going to just throw out a lightsaber if you have any idea what it is. Yeah. I mean, I would probably be using it as some, like, very useful tool, but... Can't you just press the button and cut someone in half? Like, if you're not trying to deflect, you know, laser beams or whatever. I think the idea is that they're too dangerous for people to use because they're too light and too easy. Of course, you'd cut yourself up at some point. I mean, that's very possible. But I think that might be over-explaining things. I mean, it would make total sense if you just could not turn them on without force power. But I don't think you that's do that so what is... Just a little manipulation, a little mechanical manipulation inside that you can't do with the finger. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, no, but no, even, but... If just the, even if just the beam is a projection of your force power, but that's not actually the case. That's no. not how they're actually portrayed in any Star Wars media. It would have been a lot easier to do that, I feel like. Because like they say that Grievous could still use the lightsabers because there is a biological part inside yeah. the, the well, robot he, part. Yeah, he has like a brain, right? Yeah, he has lungs and a brain at least. Yeah, yeah I think the brain is the, the force connection in my opinion. That's what midichlorians collect? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. <laughs> Forget oh, about also, it. Also, y'all's is a Chewbacca impression sucks. <laughs> yeah, okay, lay it on us, Tom. Oh, I thought... That's a good one. Actually, really good. Yeah. I, I know people who can do it really well. That was pretty good. I, I just never figured out how to do it. Like, do you roll your tongue? No. Or how do you do it? It's the uh, thing in the back of your throat. Uvula? Yeah. Like, like, like we go. I've never practiced, though. It's also what you do when you do a, a cricket sound. Okay, well, let's stop that. I can't do that. That's a good cricket. That's insane. It's the same thing. I don't. How? Okay, well what now... just happened? It's a... Uh, with the back... I can't, just, I can't... You just do that while you're whistling. <laughs> Can you do Donald Duck? No. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> just the crickets. Everybody can do a Donald Duck. No, but I don't need to do a Donald Duck. Uh, nobody can do a Donald no, Duck. What? I can't do a Donald Duck. Every other person can do a Donald Duck. Every other person. You're crazy. Like, I don't... You think people can do these voices. We cannot. Well, I might be spending more time around theater people. Yeah. Mm. I can roll my R's. There's always at least one person that does a Donald Duck, and then three other people join in, and then, like, five other people join in, and this whole room of people doing Donald Ducks. That's, like, got to be in the back of your throat, huh? Like... And also, I think trying to do it might Ugh, scratch hard. up your throat. Oh, yeah, no, I'm not interested in that. No, <laughs> I'm just really impressed. 